Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 61 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And before we begin, Riley, two things. First, make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel and all that fun stuff we're going to do. And secondly, and probably most importantly, Riley, we are looking for a third host to join us on the show. All you need to do is have a good headset, a good internet connection, and of course, a passion for the Toronto Blue Jays and Major League Baseball. If that is you, we want you on our show. You can send us a DM on Twitter or our Instagram account at Buds and Blue Jays, or you can email us at Buds and Blue Jays at Hotmail.com. But enough of the pleasantries, Riley. Today on the show, we've got a lot to talk about. The Jays played a four-game series in the Trop, and you know stuff is always dramatic when we're playing in Tropicana Field. So we've got notes on the bats, we've got notes on the pitching, and we've got so much more. But Riley, first... How are you, man? What's up? I'm great. Not a lot is up right now. Um, we just took game four in this four-game series by a heavy score. Mm-hmm. And you could split this week up, weekend up into two different segments. The weekend started off real bad, or I should say Thursday and Friday started off not too good heading into the weekend. And the mood kind of went up. Just like the Jays went up and the ERAs went down. Mm -hmm. And when the ERAs went down this weekend, my mood went up. It was a tough one to watch the first two games. But um, you might not know it. You might know it. But we're going to tell you anyways because it was a great series. We got lots to talk about. And let's dive right into it, Jesse. It's amazing the two games the Jays pitched the best and played the best defense for the two games they won. Anyways, we'll get into the game recaps here. As you mentioned, game one, the Jays lost this game. 10-5. 10-5. to five. Uh, The Jays got bad Jose Barrios in this one. Only two innings pitched, seven hits, six earned runs, one walk, and only one strikeout. The Jays' offense had the game tied at three in the top of the second, but they couldn't come back after Barrios led him into hole. Whit Merrifield, though, had a double dong in this game, and Teoscar Hernandez went deep as well. Uh, game two, Jays lose another one, gave up another 10 spot, losing 10-6. to six. Jays got down to a 3 nothing lead early. They managed to make a four spot in the top of the sixth to take a lead. But then a three-run home run in the bottom half kind of sealed them in, and they scored four in the bottom of the eighth was the difference in the ball game. And the back end of our bullpen struggled in that one. Bo Bichette, though, reached base three times. Rymel Tapia had two hits for the positives there. Jays got back to the winning ways in game three. They won this game three to one. The game was scoreless into the top of the seventh when Whit Merrifield hit a three-run home run. Alec Manoa was at it again, doing king stuff as he does. Seven innings pitch, four hits, eight strikeouts. And Jordan Romano got back on track, converting the save here. A four-out save at that with three strikeouts. And the game that took place this afternoon, the Jays won six to one. We had a home run brigade against uh, Shane McClanahan. Kirk and Teoscar Hernandez had a home run, and George Springer with the double dong himself. Stripling gave up some hard contact early, but he did do his job. Five innings pitched, three hits, no walks, three strikeouts. So after the series, Riley, the Jays sit at 86 and 67. We're eight games back in New York. I think we can close the bet on winning the division there. But we're two games up on the Rays, two and a half up on Seattle. And the magic number for the Blue Jays to clinch a playoff spot, Riley, is four. I think we should be able to do that soon. I agree. It's a very doable thing. I'm hoping that we come off this week and are looking at each other comes, you know, this time next week and have a lot to celebrate. Um, there was a name said a bunch of times in, um, in Jesse's breakdown that you might not have heard a lot <laughs> and maybe not in positive ways. So let's wind back the clock a little bit from this young Kansas City Royal second baseman who was absolutely taking the league by storm with batting averages, base hits on base percentage and since steals. Mm-hmm. Whip Merrifield was a guy who had a great start to his MLB career, but thus has slowed down in the last two years. He came to Toronto and he has not been a guy 
that is is an extra base threat. He's not a guy who's going to threat for power. But this series, Jesse, this series, he doubled his extra bases from three to six in one <laughs> series, man, if you can believe it. And three home runs, a double dong game. I mean, what more can you say? The double home run game doesn't matter, but he supplied all the offense we needed in the first win of the series. I mean, that's important right there to turn to turn it around because coming into Saturday, I know that the mood was probably not the greatest. We gave up double-digit runs. I would take a guess uh, and say that it's been a long time since we've given up 10 runs or more in back-to-back -back games. But hey, we came back in, in a strong way in Game 3, and Whit Merrifield supplied the offense. And yeah, I'll give him a bunch of credit for Game 1, because if it wasn't for Jose Brios coming in and absolutely doing the worst that he can do because we've yeah, seen we'll it get happen. to that about jose Barrios. yeah, yeah. But, but wet merrifield man first thumbs up did an excellent job at the plate this series i don't know if we'll see the power up from a lot more from him but hey it's a nice treat for us man don't you feel like wet merrifield was really trying to feel like he belongs like he played in kansas city on some bad teams for a while and then he gets traded to a team in a playoff race where expectations are sky high. So I feel genuinely really happy for Whit Merrifield here. I feel like he finally had his moment to felt like I'm contributing to this team. I'm doing good things to help this team win. You mentioned the extra base hits, Riley. Five for 15 in the series, uh, two doubles, three home runs. And he was really aggressive on the first pitch of that bat. So he was looking to do damage early and often. That's a thing we've seen Blue Jays hitters do in the past and have success with. So good to see uh, Whit Merrifield do that. And maybe, Riley, maybe the secret is just Whit Merrifield just destroys things at the Trop. Like, the Trop is statistically, like, a tough place to hit all time, but Whit Merrifield doesn't care. He's hitting 351, 413, 737. That's an OPS over 1,100 with six home runs and 63 plate appearances at the Trop. Maybe this is why the Jays acquired him, just because they knew they were so good against Tampa Bay. Who knows? Well, I would hate to see what the rest of the team stats, but for Whit Merrifield, man, to come out of there five for 15 with the extra base hits he has is, is awesome, man. We definitely need him. He's for sure our first thumbs up, man, of this series. Did a great job offensively. Yeah, Riley, do you take anything from this? We've mentioned this before about Whit Merrifield, but since we acquired him, the Jays are 6-17 and 17 with him in the starting lineup and 20-2 and two when he is not in the starting lineup, including 15 in a row. Now, of course, that's, that doesn't really mean anything, or does it? You tell me. I mean, of course it means stuff. I mean, that's not a like a small sample size. That number kind of is disheartening to me because that kind of contradicts everything I just had previously <laughs> yeah. said because I would love for him to be in the lineup. Of course, if he's hitting like this, those numbers are not going to look anything like it. But hey, I don't know what kind of wet Merrifield we're going to get here. We're in the absolute, you know the the end of the year part of this season where you know a guy could go over his last 30 at bats or a guy can go 21 for his last 30 at bats let's see what happens with Whit Merrifield I doubt it's 21 for his last 30 but let's hope that there's a, f a few tricks up Mr. Merrifield's sleeve for the end of this year. It'd be nice to do it in places not in just Tropicana Field. Yeah and that's that means nothing that's not on Whit Merrifield I think it's just a the statistics are kind of funny sometimes, and that's one of the ones we got there. Um, but speaking of someone who did really good, I mentioned earlier, the king, Riley, our ace of our pitching staff, Mr. Alec Manoa. Um, another dominant performance. Seven innings pitch, four hits, eight strikeouts. Game score, Riley, of 77, which is a stat I've used before. Goes as his fourth best start of the year. Tied, basically, with the one he had in Pittsburgh. Alec Manoa, Riley, became the fastest Blue Jays ever to 300 strikeouts in a season. And his pitching performance this year 
might go down as one of the best in Blue Jays history if you take a bigger picture view and really look at the season Alec Manoa is putting together here. Now, we've had this talk before, Riley, but the innings are piling up, and the Jays have been riding Alec Manoa pretty darn hard through the season. So there were some questions about, you know, is he going to wear down and whatnot? But Alec Manoa gave this quote, which I think just sums him up perfectly. And he said, quote, I feel amazing. So for all the haters out there that think I'm slowing down, good luck to you. So Alec Manoa is ready. He's dominant. We're going to ride on him hard during the postseason. And we're honestly, we're going to go as far as Alec Manoa takes us. That's an absolute fact. I think Alec Manoa is going to take us as far as Alec Manoa can. Uh, there's a lot riding on this kid in his first full season, yeah. Jesse. First full season. His first full se- And it's it's so hard to believe because last year it's like he'd been pitching for five years in the major leagues. And this year he just, he just looks like an absolute stud. He's one of the best in the league already. He's had a, he had another game and it, another game where he goes seven innings. Another game where he strikes out a ton of batters, gets a lots of swing and misses, and limits limits his base running. I don't know about you, Jesse, but that just sounds like good pitching to me. That sounds like everything you got to do in a in a ball game, and he continues to do that. Man, Alec Manoa is the guy with the swagger. He's the guy with the confidence. I mean, he's a strong boy. He can put that team on his back, man. And I bet you he does. Hopefully, he gets some support along the way. But Alec Manoa can do it, man. He is a franchise type pitcher for this team. The fact that this game was scoreless too going into that seven meant all of Alec Manoa's pitches. 113, I think, was the season high for him. Um, were higher leverage, more intense pitches, and Manoa was still able to get it done. I'm running out of words to say about this guy. He's an absolute star and I'm glad he's going to be here for a long time. Um, but Riley, let's talk about the guy who uh, had a pretty good performance this afternoon. Game three, our leadoff man, center fielder. Tell us about him. Yeah, George Springer, man, comes into this one today. After having a pretty good series already, I would have to think the power numbers weren't, you know, extraordinary uh, just, you know, in the last two weeks, whatever. But he came in and absolutely ripped on a guy who's in the top five voting for uh, Cy Young and Shane McClanahan for the Rays, a guy who's had a great season, Jesse, and will probably continue to go on to finish the year strong. But this start was roughed up by two, count them, two George mm-hmm. Springer blasts and totally carried the offense in this one. And, I mean, again, George Springer, our leadoff hitter, usually in myself, I don't associate leadoff hitter with home runs. But George Springer, obviously we've talked about it on this channel a boatload of times. Yeah. George Springer can take him long, man. Like, he is a guy who can get power and get things done out of the one hole and hit the ball over the fence and you know and whatever fashion he can two home runs in one game good on springer definitely gets the thumbs up in this one yeah we wanted to see the power come back from george because that's been the thing that's been kind of missing a little bit from his game from his uh seasons past um did you mention this riley i don't know if you did forgive me if i did but uh in mcclanahan's last eight starts he'd only given up two home runs total george springer matched that in just the one game alone so beauty beauty work from our leadoff man george springer no, I left that stat for you. I knew mm, that good, you, you're our good. stats guy. I know. And I'll take credit for that one. I like, got to be good listeners on the air. And this is one of the days I was listening for stats like that, especially when you're facing a guy like McClanahan. There's going to be stats like that where they tell you how good he was in previous starts. This was not a quality start for Shane McClanahan, courtesy of our Blue Jays bats, Mr. George Springer. Love it, oh, love yeah, it, beautiful, love man. It. All right. From the positives to the negatives, Riley. Jose Barrios, it's time. We got to talk about this guy again. We've been talking about him all year. Here we are. And Riley, 
I can't wait till we get into the offseason and we look back at the season Jose Brio's had because it's been a roller coaster. It's been wild. Yes, it's true. He's second on the team in quality starts. And yes, it's true. He's last in baseball in ERA, or at least the American League. So <laughs> it's been a lot. In this, uh, in this series here, he only made it two innings. He gave up seven hits, six runs. Now, Blue Jays Twitter loves to make up excuses for Jose Barrios. And I don't want to make it one here because in his two innings, he um, he gave up five hard hit balls. So he was susceptible to do damage. But on four singles he gave up in the second inning, his exit velocities were 99.3, 61.4, 72.1, and 83.1 miles per hour. And he had a ball that would have been an inning and a double play, hit off his glove, rolled a second base to kept the inning going. Um, so a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Did he just get unlucky? I don't know. All I know is I'm still terrified every time Jose Brios pitches, and I do not want him starting in a playoff game unless we absolutely need him to. What are your thoughts on this guy here? Absolutely terrified when he toes the rubber man, and for good reasons. I'll touch on what you said. That ground ball that would have been a tailor-made one for the second baseman. It's almost like he got in the way. This is a baseball thing, Jesse. You're, you played midland. You played middle infield when you were growing up, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's not a. It could be a, if it's a hard hit ball and the pitcher reacts. That's fine. I don't think this was a laser by any means. It's a ball that if he backs off, that's. That's tailor-made for the second baseman. I mean, he kind of it, – it happens, man, but it's mm -hmm. a pet peeve of mine, especially playing shortstop and whatever pitcher gets in the way and bounces off. Totally changes your route to the ball. You probably have no chance afterwards. But when Jose Brios is bad – at least he makes it count count because he is really bad. And this start <laughs> yeah. proved it once again, man. Another six earned runs given up. And, like, that's just part of the course for his bad starts. It feels like five, six, seven earned runs in, like, less than less than three innings pitched. He was went two innings in this one and was just bad again, Jesse. And it started with his first start in the year. Started with his, like, third start in mm -hmm. the year. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's almost like every... Every third outing, he's due for a blow-up, man. And I don't know about you, but those numbers are no good for me. No good whatsoever. They shouldn't be good with anybody that's watching them and paying them the money and, and the one who's telling them to go on the hill. Because, yeah, Jesse, we're, we're talking about the regular season right now, but we'll be doing a lot of speculations here in the next two weeks, the next 10 days, whatever, on, you know, our pitchers. And we're going to be watching with a close eye. But I can pretty much eliminate Jose Brios from the equation of guys I want on the hill for a high leverage game. Even a high leverage situation coming out in a long situation. It's just, it's a really uncomfortable thing right now. And again, if you look back at this Jays season and you can point fingers to certain people, I think a lot of fingers go Jose Brios' way because his numbers have been... I mean, almost atrocious the way he has given up the long ball, the way he has given up runs, the way he has not struck out batters, but mm -hmm. also gave up like a lot of base on balls. It's just not, it's been a down year in almost every category for Jose Barrios. It'll be interesting to see how he bounces back into next year, into the offseason, because he's going to be under team control for quite a while. But Riley, he is going to make a playoff start for this team. It's going to happen at least some point if the Jays go as far as we're kind of hoping we think they can go. Hell, he might even have one in the wild card round. So we really need good Jose Barrios. And I'm just praying to the baseball gods that come playoff time, it happens. But as I mentioned, Jay's Twitter likes to make a bunch of excuses for Jose Barrios. And I'm going to make another one here for him, too. It's not his fault, Riley. Because he was playing in a ball diamond that the Blue Jays are just cursed in. And that's Tropicana Field, man. I get nervous and a wreck every single time the Blue Jays go to the Trop. Not only does it look like um, a low-end outlet mall that's kind of copy as a baseball stadium, um, 
just nothing goes well there. We talked about the chopper. There was a blown strike three call that wasn't called that led to four runs. There always seems to be something, whether it's a player getting injured there. I remember Jay Happ took a comeback off the head in Tropicana Field. And um, Anthony Bass hadn't given up a home run to a right-handed hitter all year. First batter he faces in the trop, Randy Orozarena, three-run home run. So I can't wait till the day comes we can say we're done with the trop and the Blue Jays curse that we have there is over. Yeah, and you didn't even mention the fact that they lose baseballs in that roof almost every other oh, yeah. game. All the time. Mile-high pop-ups and the weird rule they have if it actually hits. It's a weird ballpark. Um, Tampa Bay still on the field, too. Hey, I like that as an mm. o- as an Oakland guy. I love that. Except their foul territory is tiny. Yeah. I think the um, at at Oakland Stadium, it's a huge foul ground. The trop sucks. They've had it since their inaugural season. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll change, but you know what? It's great for the four thousand fans that come and enjoy it. I mean, that's it's great for whoever whoever the heck wants to go to that ballpark. <laughs> it certainly didn't treat us well in this one, though, man. But whatever. Um, I will say that I don't let. As far as ballpark things, I do think that that infield grass around short is a little bumpy for Bo missing that um, routine grounder that kind of costs us some runs there. Do you want to do you want to touch on that a little bit for the the you know the ground maybe is a little <laughs> yeah. kind of bumpy there too. We can talk about that too. Bo Bichette didn't play good defense in this series. He made two more errors. And Riley, do you remember in the three game COVID season when the Jays went to Tropicana to play? Uh, the three-game series there in the playoffs. Bo Bichette had two errors in that series as well. And we've talked about Bo Bichette's defense in the past, and I'm just quickly going to give you my thoughts here. Um, with the banning of the shift coming in next year, I really think the Blue Jays are going to try to value a good defensive shortstop. And I think it's likely, if not probable, that Bo Bichette moves to second base to start next year. But that's a conversation maybe we can get into in the offseason. We don't have to get into it now, but that's my call about what I think is going to happen with him. I wouldn't hate it. I just know he needs to bulk up the arm a little bit. I'll tell you another quick defensive thing too, because uh, while we were talking about us, you know, I think we were we did well to split the series, mm-hmm. and we weren't the only one doing splits out there. If you saw Vladdy <laughs> play first base, the guy should absolutely be in contentions for a Gold Glove this year. Moving 100%. forward, though, into the we can't be we're in our bad segment. I can't be giving props to Vladdy. We should be talking about a guy who has been at times one of our most important bullpen arms, and mm-hmm. that's Jimmy Garcia. Who was mm-hmm. in this one? Very, very bad for us, man. And it's we haven't given him a whole lot of thumbs down, but Jimmy Garcia is another guy who kind of blew his appearances for us. And again, Jesse, it's kind of all, it's not all on him, but we're going to use him as the scapegoat for us because hey, our bullpen has been was no good Thursday and Friday, and Garcia was just another. He's another culprit. He's caught the middle of it now, Jesse. So let's hear about what Garcia did this series. I have a friend who's uh, called our bullpen the blowpen for the work they did in the first two games of this series, and I kind of like that. Uh, Jimmy Garcia wasn't the only one who had a bad outing, but he's the one who's going to... We're going to get lay it on here. Um, he faced eight batters, only got three of them out, three hits, two walks. He's now allowed a run, Riley, in four straight appearances, and in five of his nine September appearances, he's given up a run. Riley, he's been so good all year. This is by far his worst stretch in the season. Where would you rank Jimmy Garcia in our bullpen right now out of all the relievers? Would he still be your setup guy or would you move him down behind like maybe Simber, Meza, Pop, Bass? Where would you put him? 
I would say he. I would certainly. I do. I do value um, Simber higher than a lot of guys do. That's just me. I do like Tim Mesa. Um, I would put him around the same spot as Bass. Almost use them interchangeably, but not. They're two right-handers with good velocity. Um, Bass did get hit in this series, and yeah, it's a four-game series. You're gonna see. You're gonna see a lot of arms in a four-game set, and. Um, just sadly, it's it's hard to rank them right now. Obviously, like you got Romano, but after that, it's kind of a race to for who's pitching the best. And I think right now, I'd be using Simber as my setup guy. I'd be using uh, Tim Mesa more than um, John Snyder has, and I also like um, I like how Pop's been doing. But I'm not going to put him higher up than Garcia in Bass right now. Yeah, I want Bass as my setup man. He, if you look at his numbers between the Marlins and the Blue Jays, he's been dynamite all year. I. I think Jimmy Garcia's next appearance should be in lower leverage so he can get in, get some confidence up. And if he does have a blow up, it's not the worst case scenario before he gets back. But he's going to be such an important part in our postseason playoffs that we need Jimmy Garcia to be the guy he was for most of the season. And I'm quite confident he will. Um, another guy, though, Riley, who pitched in this series who wasn't that good this course of the season was Mitch White. He made a relief appearance. Just quick, anything to add? Four innings pitch, five hits, three and runs, one walk, two strikeouts in relief in game two in that uh, bullpen day. Thought on him? No, it's it's he just he hasn't been good for us um, since coming to Toronto. He has he has he yeah, doesn't he have hasn't. a sing, he doesn't have a single win for us, man. And that's all I'm gonna say. It's whether it's a start, whether it's a relief, and I know it's different from being a qualified starter in a win. You got to go five innings, but usually if you go less than five innings in a start, you're probably not pitching that well. And you know, Mitch White just ha hasn't had it right now. Um, we'll talk probably more about Yusei Kikuchi in next week and, and see where where we value those two. I don't think we'll get into it this episode. Lots to talk about still. But yeah, Mitch Mitch White, not no wins in a Blue Jay uniform since acquiring him. I think that speaks volumes right there. Only one walk in this appearance after having none in his previous appearance, but he's still giving up way too many hits. I don't know. I, Mitch White probably won't be on our playoff roster here. Um, some other takeaways, Riley. I'll run through these really quick. Uh, Matt Chapman only had one hit in this series, but he still drew his walks, still doing, you know, the Matt Chapman thing, the three true outcomes guy. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. actually was only one for, his, one for his last 15 before he got an RBI single in the ninth of the finale. So two for 16 in the series for Vladdy. Kind of want to see more from that. But someone who was good, Rymel Tapia, four hits in the series, including a triple and a double. And I liked that when John Schneider pulled him for a pinch hitter and Danny Jansen, he got heated on the bench. He did not want to come out of that game. And you don't usually see that from Rymel Tapia. He's in a different mindset at this uh this time of year primal tapia is a guy who jesse you kind of coined him that he has the possibility he has the potential to be a big big game kind of guy and i'm the more and more it goes i think this is aging really well i think you said it an episode or two episodes ago whenever it was mm -hmm. i think this shot. is good i think that's going to age really well jesse the mindset's different the plate appearances are different the approach to plate's different i mean it's a, it was a very tasteful comment at the time. I really liked that. And it's still a very tasteful comment. And we're, we're not done seeing yet. When a guy kind of gets pulled from a game like that, it's not the last we've heard of Mr. Rymel Tapia this year, I don't think by far. So we're going to see some more things happen before, I think before the regular season, uh, finishes out. I think we'll see, um, you know, a little more of Tapia, and then obviously Jesse's big prediction for the playoffs is we're going to see a big game moment from him in there. 
And mm-hmm. my hopes are high for that. As far as Chappie and um, and and Vladdy go, that's just kind of how the numbers go. Of course, Chapman's going to draw his walks, and Vladdy's still hitting the ball hard, honestly. But a, a lot of actually, you know what? Some of the grounders were very soft in this series. Mm-hmm. It's almost he's a very heavy swinger, and it's almost like he's over. Over swinging, I don't know. Again, this is the thing. I think I talk about it one every four episodes. Is that <laughs> you know he's still he's still young. His you know his his technique, his swing approach, his plate approach can be a lot different. But you know he's still a very valuable member of this club. I think you touched on a, a four war season for Vladdy. Yep. Obviously not yep. an astronomical number, but still a very recognized you know, major league first baseman number. And yeah, I'm sure that's not going to happen, you know, here down in the last week and a half, two weeks of the regular season. Just something to keep an eye on there. I know now that we said that Riley about Rymel Tapia, like let's queue up automatically his 0 for 15, eight strikeouts. Cause as soon as we talk about a player like this, they usually struggle, but a guy we were trying to get going a little bit did in this series. And that's Teoscar Hernandez. Riley, did you see his home run? He hit in the finale here today. Yeah, four uh, four hundred and sixty-four. Sixty-four. Yeah, four hundred sixty-four. Oh, feet. nailed it! Nailed yeah, it! Um, it was the longest home run a Blue Jay has hit at Tropicana Field since 2015, since the uh, Statcast started taking over that. And 97 mile per hour fastball right down the pipe. But Riley, I was most impressed by his home run he hit in Game One was a slider down and away. We we talked about how Teo was struggling hitting the slider, and that's been his big downfall. He crushed that one, and it's a sign that things are turning around for Teoscar Hernandez. Absolutely, man. And it was off of a guy who just must hate facing Teo. Ryan Yarbrough, I know they oh, were yeah. naming the stats in the games. I don't know how many career home runs. I know he has. I think that's more than five now for sure on Ryan Yarbrough. He got pulled from that game. Um, I think a neck strain from watching the ball leave the yard. Um, but um, it's great to see that at a Teo. Again, a guy in the middle of our order who needed to get it going we want to get him going he got that little push in this series and he he brought the power in the in that game man good for tail i have one more stat that i saw this is from james nto on twitter good follow if you're a blue jays fan i highly recommend it but he pointed out riley the blue jays as a team their seven through nine hitters are hitting 253 362 403 players that have a similar batting line of that in major league baseball this year are cedric mullins trey mancini Jerks and Profar. And this is the type of production we are getting from the seven through nine spots in our order, I think has really helped this offense shine with decline with um underperforming years from guys like um Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and with Bobachet for most of the year and with George Springer. So it's an unsung hero, but the J's seven through nine hitters have done really well for this team this year. I'm really not surprised, especially we're talking about Tapia. We talk about Merrifield in this Danny episode. Danny Jansen a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, J- Danny Jansen. So if you're telling me with a comparable like that, so if I got if I got Trey Mancini in the seven hole, I got Cedric Mullins in the eight hole, and I got Jerickson Profar in the nine hole. That's, that's a quite lineup. a th- that's I I want to know who one through six are then because that, that kind of sounds <laughs> yeah. like that kind of sounds like a um, maybe not an all star team, but how they do in hockey like the the second all star team or the second line kind of guys. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. I I figured that those numbers were going to go up. Hopefully JBJ, but I'm not going to call anything, but I'm hoping JBJ can get something going as well. All right, some news and notes. Santiago Espinal has been placed on the IL 10 days. I guess he got his x-rays and the Blue Jays didn't like what they saw. So Otto Lopez is up. Uh, hasn't played yet, which means shortstop is Bobachet every day until Espinal comes back. Um, Nate Pearson made a rehab assignment again. He went um, only got two outs, three hits, three earned runs, 
Uh, two walks and no strikeouts. It was the first rough outing that Nate Pearson had. He threw more balls than he threw strikes. Um, and I know the stat lines don't matter much, and the health with uh, Nate Pearson is the most important thing. But Riley, the Buffalo Bison season is over. So unless the Blue Jays are calling up Nate Pearson to the bullpen today, he probably won't pitch much until next spring, unless the Jays decide to send him to winter ball or something. But I don't know. I I don't think after this outing that we're going to see Nate Pearson in the big leagues this year. So Isaac's bold prediction of Nate Pearson starting a playoff game for us, I think is done, but I don't know. Keep that name in mind and we'll see what we get from him next year. Keep that name in mind. I think it, if you watch our channel, I think it's impossible not to. I think Jesse <laughs> yeah. brings it up for sure. <laughs> Every day. Wanna, for guys, <laughs> for guys who get absolutely no playing time at the major league level, we sure hear a lot about Nate Pearson. Mm-hmm. No, I would really like to, that hey, he was one of the top prospects, and in, in our system, at one point, he was the top prospect. All of baseball at one point for right-handed pitchers. Exactly. So it sucks that it has to go this way for him right now because you know times are ticking. You know, um, I think he would be what 26, 27 age range there, now. Yeah. He's so that's he kind of got a whip into shape like real quick. If they, I don't don't know if they'll go to winter ball or not, but. Hopefully he has a really nice winter and the health comes back and, you know, hopefully does some, some aesthetically things, some aesthetic things to his arm to kind of get the control back. I don't know, because we know the velocities there. Obviously if he's in in an appearance and he gets, throws more balls and strikes, that's an issue, Jesse. We both know that, you know, enough about baseball that Pearson has had those problems in the past, obviously not the way you want to go out, but Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens, man. His career is not over yet, Jesse. We'll see what happens. And I want you to keep the name in mind of Addison Barger. Um, He went up to Buffalo. We talked about him last episode about what his season line was. He hit two home runs in the span of about 19 minutes for the Buffalo Bisons. And he's going to the Arizona Fall League this year as one of the Blue Jays prospect representatives. Keep an eye on him. He might be added to the 40-man roster if he's not already this offseason. And he's going to be a name to know. So just keep that in your mind. But Riley... Big news, not necessarily Blue Jays related, but across Major League Baseball, there was a pretty big milestone home run hit this weekend, and I think it's only fair that you tell us about it. Oh, man. Of course, I got to talk about this one mm-hmm. because this guy stems from what I consider to be the greatest era of baseball, which is kind of just after what I'll call the steroid era, which right. is when McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds were, well, right when Bonds was having his huge seasons, too. And of course, Ken Griffey Jr. was just kind of slowing down. And there was a young man by the name of Albert Pujols who put mm-hmm. on a Cardinals mm-hmm. uniform and absolutely destroyed the NL Central for the longest time, man. So there are two players now that we've witnessed in the 700 home run club. Mr. Barry Bonds himself, but steroids. Two of them we weren't around for, obviously, Babe Ruth and the real home run king, Mr. Henry Aaron. Um, Albert Pujols, man, joining the 700 home run club in a Cardinals uniform. That's what's the best part about it. That's the absolute best part of it, man. And it goes without saying, I watched this, you know, on YouTube or wherever I was watching it and saw that they had stopped the Giants and whoever they were playing and displayed it on the Jumbotron, him Mm -hmm. going around the bases. And Jesse, how can you not be romantic about baseball? He was, he was in Dodger Stadium. His old team, yeah. Well, sure, whatever. I mean... (laughs) I wish the I wish man the late Vin Scully could have made that call. Oh, Rest in yes. peace, Mister Scully. I was thinking that, but I mean Albert Pujols, seven hundred career home runs. He's an easy first ballot Hall of Famer, man. Albert Pujols has been, and I'm gonna just 
put it down since I've been around in my 25 years on this planet. Um, Albert Pujols in his 21st, whatever, 22nd year of Major League Baseball has been the greatest baseball player I have ever witnessed through that time span, man. So 700 home runs, well-deserved. The fourth player, man, to do it. Fourth player. I was, yep. I was glad when he passed A-Rod, but I'm so happy he hit 700 home runs. And that's the only awesome home run thing, the home run you know, record that happened this year or will happen this year. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, we talked a few episodes ago about Vladdy Jr. hitting his 100th career home run. He did it at 23 years old, 185 days old. Albert Pujols hit his 100th career home run at 23 years and 182 days old. So three days younger than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'm not saying that Vladdy's going to hit 700 home runs, but I'll let the statistics do the talking there. Uh, Riley, we're running out of time. We don't really have time to preview the Yankee series here, but three-game series. Jays are back home. Last home stand of the year. Aaron Judge might hit 62 this series. I don't know. What are you paying attention for? What are you hoping for? How do you think we do? I hope if we, I think if we lose two out of three, I hope that the Rays lose two out of three in their next series. We got to yes. keep our, we got to keep our head above them. If, if we're going down this week a little bit and I, and I'm not, I'm, I'm going to say that we, we only win one in our next three ball games. And I think that's okay. I don't predict a whole lot of losses in this series. And I'm right. I've been right a lot of the you times have. for these you predictions. You have. this one. Yeah. And I think, I think it's fair to say that we're due for a series loss. And I think it's going to be a big Yankee series. I'm actually going to, I'm going to hate it a lot, but that's just <laughs> what's going to happen. I feel like, man. And I, I, don't know what Tampa's got lined up, but um, I think that um, if we lose two, I think they got to lose two because we got to stay above the Rays, man. This was an important series for us at the Trop to take the split, and I think we just make it out of out of the Yankee series alive, and we'll be okay, man. Now nah, we're gonna sweep them. Screw the Yankees. Let them burn. Baby, let's go. <laughs> Gonna get it. That'll do it for our episode here today. Uh, thank you for everybody for tuning in. Make sure you check out our friends over at Leeson Lads. Isaac, Dan, and Mark and the guys there, they're back. They just posted their first episode, um, kind of recapping the offseason, getting things prepared for training camp. So if you are a Leafs fan and you like the witty banter like we have here, go check them out over at Leeson Lads. Would highly recommend. And yeah, make sure while you're here, you like and subscribe to our show. Tell your friends, tell your dog, tell the wife, tell the wife's dog. Do whatever you want to do. Just... uh. Make sure you let them know about Buds and Blue Jays. But Riley, anything else to add before we get nerdy nope. here today? Greatest time of the year. Baseball's winded down. Hockey's just started, man. There's a lot on the TV to watch. Be mm -hmm. sure to, you know, and I, honest to God, is I'm a hockey guy too, but I'm baseball first. My hockey season doesn't start until the commissioner's trophy is raised, but I usually catch up pretty quickly and it's going to be, it's going to be a great run for both sports. But yeah. Make sure you check out Leafs and Lads. They got an awesome show, and they give us a lot of credit to you. So thank you, Bassy, Schmidt, and Dinner, because those guys rock there. So make sure to give them a like. Perfect. We'll see you guys after the Yankee series. Let's go, Blue Jays. Let's kick some Yankee butt. Thanks, guys.